0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello!
1: 2017. What is up? Oh my God. Can you believe it? 2017. That sounds like the future or something, but it's now. It is today. Happy New Year, my sinners. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, the first edition of 2017. In a great episode, I speak to my very old friend and my very dear friend, Mr. Mark Rose, formerly of Spittlefield now doing a bunch of solo stuff and I just hung out with him for five days straight between Christmas and New Year's on my own solo headline tour with my project River Oaks it went off without a hitch (laughs) Uh, Spencer my friend who was working for me said it was the most flawless tour he's ever been a part of it really was super super easy And super, super rewarding. I mean, I've never done that, just gotten up on stage. I was playing like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes myself and just singing and playing. And it was so much fun, so rewarding. Thank you so much. I know that a lot of sinners came out. So thank you guys for coming out, supporting me. Uh, Jeez, I I hope you had a good time because I really did. Anyways, back to Mark. He's doing solo stuff for a while now. He's kind of, he was giving me a little advice, some tips He's awesome, and I don't know if you guys remember Spitalfield. They broke up a while ago now. It has been a lot of years, but when I was getting ready to do this and I was listening back to the old Spitalfield records, man, they still hold up. Some of those songs are awesome. So we talk about the legacy of Spitalfield. We talk about Victory Records. We talk about the demise of the band, and of course, we talk about what Mark's doing now. Before we jump into that I'm a new year's resolution kind of dude. And last year, if you guys have been listening since then for a whole year, if you have been, thank you very much. If you went back and checked it out, also very cool. Last year, I made two new year's resolutions. The first one (laughs) I did. The first one I did. The second one I didn't do. So the first one I did was I was going to go the whole month of January without drinking any alcohol. And I did it just fine. I didn't have a single drop, a single sip of alcohol for the whole month of January. February was another story. But January, I was completely sober and it was really, really good for me. Uh, but the second one was to get in good shape. And I find myself now starting off 2017, eh, not exactly too stoked on my um, health. And I... So that is going to be my New Year's resolution this year. And I stepped on the scale today and I weighed 176 pounds, which is the most I've ever weighed. So my goal is to lose 16 pounds and be at 160 pounds, which I think is pretty doable. And the reason I'm giving you specifics, the reason that I'm saying this on the record is because if I say, okay, I'm 76 pounds and I want to be 160 pounds, that's accountability right there. So every week I'm going to be like, I'm going to give you my number. Uh, don't worry. I'm not going to talk like this at great lengths about it, but I will have some accountability from my sinners." And uh, yeah, so I think that'll help me achieve my goal. Also, I want to hear about your new year's resolutions. You can feel free to email me, send me a tweet, if you're part of the All Access Club, and you should be, we have a great forum on there for discussions. So um, if you've signed up for the All Access Club, which is, by the way, Syndrome.com slash all access, and you're not on the Facebook group, make sure you figure that out because we have some amazing discussions. I think we already have like 75 replies to the New Year's resolution conversation. So there's a lot of cool stuff ongoing on there. Of course, we talk about the podcast, we talk about music, we talk about... Bands, we talk about everything. So if you've got $6 a month, you can sign up for the All Access Club. Be a part of that. Get some cool stuff in the mail for a couple bucks more. And of course, there's bonus episodes. I already did one bonus episode, which was awesome. There's more coming. There's going to be a QA and a with me in probably a couple days. I'm about to announce that. Uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So please, again, check out the All Access Club. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access access. If you want to get in touch with me, Syndrome at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at LeadsingerSyn, S-Y-N, Instagram at LeadsingerSyndrome. So yeah, if you have suggestions for the show, feedback for me of any kind, feel free to hit me up. I always love hearing from you guys. Alright, well let's jump into it. Here's my conversation with Mr. Mark Rose, formerly of Spitalfield.
0: Everything Well and diet now. When it burns, it takes the feeling out. Tonight is gonna turn itself around. Everything is,
1: everything is well and diet now. Well and diet now. Well and diet now. We could be conversational like this. I'm here. With my very good friend, my very old friend, Mr. Mark Rose. Hello,
2: buddy. How are you? I'm marvelous. I've been hanging with you for four or five days, so I'm better than I was before those four or five days. Oh, well,
1: that's a big compliment. That's a very sweet thing to say. We have had a good time, haven't we? We've done, for the listeners, just finding out about this, uh, because I've been telling everybody on my podcast that I'm going on a little solo tour Mm -hmm. for River Oaks. And today is the last show. We're in New York City, backstage at uh, Webster Hall, and uh, yeah, it's it's really been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about myself, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because you know you're you don't you come from the same place that I came from, being basically in a fronting a band, yeah, you know, and then now do trying a solo thing. Except you're you've done this for much. Much longer that is correct a time, so uh, I guess my first question for you is how was that transition i mean i 'm sure you get that, that question literally every interview, but it is an important question yeah,
2: you know, I would say that the transition itself uh, while it was a natural thing for me to want to keep playing songs that i 've written on stage in front of people, that was natural, but the you know the the, the slight uh, stylistic change and maybe the um, you know, I don't know, the things that that go along with not having a band behind you, you know, that took some time. That took some adjustment for not just me, but for people that had followed me with the band. Yeah. Because I would say that some of those people were growing up with me and were excited to be a part of that next chapter, and some of those other folks were maybe just hoping for more You know, I don't know, part two, you know, Spittlefield part two, which just really wasn't happening, even though it was my voice and it was my songwriting. It just wasn't that, you know, it was such a departure. And I'd say that after having done a variety of different types of tours while i was you know playing either with just an acoustic guitar or with a trio or with a full band like a five or six piece band and doing a couple eps totally independently where i'm like messing with sounds and you know you know beats or an actual drummer or or shakers and and you know not a lot of percussion i did all these different things and somehow i've now, kind of recentered to say, this sounds like me now. But at first, it didn't sound like me, I don't think, even though it was my voice.
1: So it took you a little while to kind of find your sea legs. Yeah, yeah, which in terms is of what to, you
2: wanted to do after Spittlefield. Exactly. Because it's weird to think that, like, after you tour for, you know, six, seven years, that you would need to find your sea legs. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. But, but you do. And I, I noticed, like, from the very beginning on our first night together, how you mentioned you were, like, you know, backstage warming up and feeling nervous and all this stuff. And very it's, nervous. And it's yeah. such, you know, I mean, I totally get you, but I think people that, you know, don't come from this same space would say like what would you be nervous about you're going out to perform i've played
1: two thousand shows with silverstein exactly and
2: you're playing in front of people who care about you and your music so it's not as if you're about to walk out and open for rick springfield you know oh
1: that would be great yeah i mean i want to see what's going on i don't want to i don't want to just go just for the show he's great i'm sure i want to see what he's doing backstage oh i bet he's getting wild that that i would
2: think so i mean even at his age yeah, I mean, he, he was essentially himself, right, on
1: California Californication? Like, I think so. I think, like, yeah. I mean, that might yeah. just be him. Yeah, oh my God, I forgot he was on that show. Well, it's
2: like a parody of himself, but also played by him, so <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like when you look like your own caricature, you know, you're like, well, you should look like your own caricature, but then you become right. your, the caricature. I don't know. It's just well, one like of those things. Well,
1: there's people like that in, in, like, the, you know, the pub media or whatever. Like, like, my favorite would be, like, Charles Barkley. Perfect. Who, you know, because he is he he's got to know he's got to be perpetuating his own stereotype for sure. He's got to know. Yeah. But I feel like he's just like that.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And he's one of those people that I think no matter how much, you know, like fame, fame or money he has, uh, it comes to a point where, yeah, thank you. It comes to a point where he's like delivered.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yes. (laughs) Looking good. No, no. Okay. Oh yeah.
2: I'm going to have one. You want one? Yeah, let's have one. All right. You got to get that sound. You got to mic that. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll mic here. mine. Or, I'll no. give you that one. Right, Actually, up. I'll take that one. Okay.
1: And you can see what it sounds like all, uh, all mic'd up. This is a, an original Takate, apparently. Very good. Here it comes.
2: Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Such an awkward silence.
1: We might have broke the recorder, but it's okay.
2: Uh, is still going?
1: It's still going. Good. These things are indestructible. You know,
2: who else is still going is Charles Barkley. He was actually doing, um, you know, like those like deodorant commercials and stuff. Like, you know, I think he was like one of those like spokespeople that like was already like, yeah, if I'm going to do this, I'd like to be wearing a safari hat and I'd like to be like, you know, doing ridiculous things just because yeah. he doesn't really need, you know, the money or the fame. So it's kind of like may as well have fun with it.
1: I think so. But I was watching this documentary about the dream team you know the 92 original yeah, dream which, team Yeah. and them interviewing him even back then as a fairly young player i'm not sure how old he was in 92 he was he was probably in, in the middle of his career kind of or maybe middle to early of his career he was just as ridiculous and just as a char- like oh, just a big as big a personality back then almost yeah like open hawaiian
2: shirt like you yeah. know coming off the bus with everybody screaming and like i don't know he was he was hilarious
1: exactly so um, I'm not sure how we started talking about about Charles Barkley, but I'm sure
2: <laughs> people who are like who they are, but they're like they're like parodies of themselves. That's, yeah,
1: no, exactly. And um, um, how many like with your transition now into solo thing? and You've been doing it for so long. Have the Spittlefield fans sort of waned and waned and waned to where they're fewer and further between now than than the Mark Rose fans, or is it still? A lot of people coming out being like, you know, remember right now was when I first heard you or the Victory Records days.
2: Yeah, I find that um, when I do my own shows, it's probably more like 75% folks who follow what I currently do that maybe got into the band after the fact or went backwards to find it. And there still are some of those that, you know, have been, you know, hanging around since the old days that will come out. And of course they want to hear, you know, a couple old songs that'd be, make them happy. Um, but, what's interesting is that it really is depending on who I'm, who I'm paired with when I'm out doing if it's like a co bill or if I'm supporting somebody you'll find more of the older fans coming out of the woodwork for the right show whereas like you know if I pass through New York three times a year it really depends on who I'm playing with you know what I mean or like what the ticket price is like these are like factors that actually sure. determine who's coming to see me specifically because some people are like oh man like for like tonight there's like how many folks that might be crossovers that are like Shane and Mark are together that's awesome yeah you know what i mean yeah. but then like i would say that like the majority of the folks that are seeing you on this tour like they may or may not know anything about spitalfield some of them do because if i if i say hey i used to play in this band which you know we toured you know you get a few cheers you get some people singing along busting out their phones but it's not like you know it's not a spitalfield tour at all you know no. it's like it'd be different if i did that i've never done that i could do that that'd be fun you know to do like a specifically like I don't know. Remembering right now, acoustic tour where I just play all those old songs and like people could come out and have nostalgia. Sure. You know. I
1: mean, you could do that as a set and then you could you could do another set with your, you know, right. with the MR stuff, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah. you know, that's that's another idea and and you know, we're jumping around a little bit, but like you know, I'm starting to think more as a musician that when you go on tour and you're like, oh, you do three, you know, New York three times a year, or whatever, and Silverstein, we do New York maybe at least three times a year. You got to be doing different things. You got to be switching up what people are coming just uh, in terms of entertainment. Yes. You know, and when I didn't really ever think about that until we did our, you know, Discovering the Waterfront anniversary tour and realized, oh, this is like kind of an event now. Right. And now doing this uh, tour with River Oaks, it's the same thing. Like people are coming out and it's a totally different. It's Some of the same songs, you know, like my heroine is I'm still playing it, but it's different. So yeah. it gives people another reason to to come out. So is that something you, you would consider doing? Yeah. Doing some
2: kind of like a spittle field. It'd be fun. Acoustic tour. I mean, why not? I mean, my, my thought is this, and, and maybe I'm different than other folks who have come from being in a band to doing solo stuff, but I I don't get annoyed at all by people calling out for old songs or posting about that kind of thing online, being like commenting. If I'm like making a a post about like new music from me and then somebody comments like something about the band or wanting to hear one of those songs, it doesn't bother me because number one, I'm like the fact that anybody cared about any music I've written is awesome. But then then also I'm kind of like, you know, I look at the, my favorite like, you know, songwriters or career musicians and bands and stuff. They've spent so much time that I'm like, you know, I'm like, if I can be writing great music into my mid 30s and late 30s and whatnot, like that's that's great. And of course, there's always going to be that like nostalgia versus what was, you know. I mean, I don't know. Like people like to like to talk about what, you know, it's never going to be as good as this or whatever. And I'm thinking like you're battling with nostalgia in your head because if you have an artist that you're really a fan of, you should be excited for what they're doing next, right? So I yeah. kind of like, don't get mad at all about it. I'm like, let me prove to you what I can do now, and if you, don't, if you don't like it, that's cool, but like, thanks for caring at any point.
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, the choice to form a solo you know, act yeah. rather than being when Spitalfield dissolved or whatever, why was that a choice? Why didn't you just say, I'm going to get a couple guys from other bands that I respect or I like that I think I can collaborate with. Why that choice to go solo and not just start another band? Yeah, I think um,
2: I'd say maybe, maybe the top reason would be that when we called it quits, I was really frustrated that we were ending the way we were ending. And it's not because... Of anything like musically and it wasn't because of anything within the band about you know caring about each other or not wanting to be in the van with each other anymore it was really about being in a spot where you feel like you're up against the wall and you're you you, you you're trapped right so I almost felt like first thing I want to do is take a break for a few months <laughs> clear my head sure. next thing I want to do is start writing songs again and like kind of pull the rug out and see what happens so even though I wanted to like have that, you know, camaraderie again, I also kind of wanted to be alone for a little bit. Like I wanted to like not check in with anybody, not bounce ideas off anybody, just like, just go at it, you know? And I wrote a bunch of songs with, you know, just a guitar, just a piano. And even though I had written songs like that before, it had never, ever been not for the band. You know what I mean? Like it had always been with the band in mind. mind. And this time it wasn't. It was like, this is for me, (laughs) you know, and I don't really have to, answer to anybody about anything,
1: but did you really have to answer to anybody in Spitalfield? Because you were pretty much the, I mean, didn't you write all the songs anyways?
2: Well, I would say that maybe I wrote the majority. Like I was definitely yeah. like the key songwriter, but I think our sound was reflective of everybody's input and the pushing and pulling that we did is what made us who we were. Because if I had, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you ask the other guys, they might be like, "Oh yeah, man," like you know, I was a tyrant. But it's like I don't, I don't think I was because. I wanted I wanted their the things that made them who they were I wanted that to shine through with us right. and when we'd make a record or whatever it was like sure these a lot of the songs or lyrics or <laughs> things that I had written but it was st- still a collective effort and like I don't know, maybe even to a point where there's certain things I maybe should have been like a little bit more like, no, no, like, let's not do that or whatever. But I, I, would, I don't know, I felt pretty open about letting guys shine a little bit with what they liked because it's
1: important to make people happy. It, it is, and I've definitely been accused of being the tyrant. Mm. Um, and it's it's something I'd say as the band has gone on, I've relinquished my control a little bit. I've become like... Less of a control freak But I almost feel like Every band needs to have At least one Maybe two Sure And But they can't have five Right You know what I mean You have to have A couple guys Steering the ship Or maybe only one guy Steering the ship And he has to be What did Cameron Webber Our producer used to say That I had A strong vision Right That's what he used to say About me Sure That I I kind of knew what I wanted I knew what when i when some, there was an idea i knew how to do it and that can rub people the wrong way whoa no
2: doubt i mean think of it this way what about like if you have any kind of like collective whether it's like you know back to sports whether it's a team or or it's in music where you've got songwriters within the band and then you've got more like musicians that are like players within the band it's like the bands that that last the longest and have the probably the the best Uh, Run are those that kind of find their roles and and know how to deal with each other, right? Because it is, I'm sure it's tough if you are a role player, but you wish you weren't, right? If you wish you had more, you had more, say, in, in X, Y, and Z. And I think some of those folks, if they can sprinkle in some of what they care about and they love playing, and they love touring, and they love the band, then you're all good. But if you have role players that you know are secretly angry that they're not doing their own thing, then, then that's where the split happens. Well, right?
1: the band that I think of as another Chicago band is Fall Out Boy. Because yeah. they were the band that had that element perfectly, where Pete was the guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the singer of the no. band. He wasn't the front man, but he kind of was... In, in his, his own personality way, personality, and in how he managed ran the band, but then all those other guys really knew where their role was. Yeah, you know Patrick as the songwriter, Joe and, and Andy Bees basically being like being content with trusting those guys creatively and adding themselves just as great players. Right, that, well, and, that's- and that's a band that stayed together with four members. You know what I mean? Well, they broke up for a while, but whatever. You know what I mean? Right, but even
2: that was important and that may be... And and I think that like, you know, some groups would just take, you know, three, four, five years between an album and take some time off. You know, they instead went on a hiatus and I almost think that was kind of... One of those things that may have been part of the plan anyway, which was like, I, yeah, we'll we'll I, I, I kind of wonder, we'll be stronger that too. when we come back. Yeah. And like it creates, I mean, they were, I think when they went on their hiatus, they had just finished being a direct support act to Blink-182. And I think that at that point they realized we have gotten as far as we can get in this world, like doing what we're doing right now. And now we need to go away and express ourselves in other ways. Other business ventures, other music ventures,
1: sure, families. Yeah, dude, yeah all that stuff. Dude, you figure yeah. your stuff out. You know, yeah.
2: Patrick does a solo record. Joe starts a metal band. Um, you know what I mean? Or Joanne, Andy, right? So it's like I, I, I think that was important, you know, and that makes them better. They're, they're a great example uh, when you talk about those role players, and not only from everything you said, but I would say that because Spittlefield and Fall out Boy were trying to tour together before either of us had recording contracts or booking agents, I've seen that. From the very beginning. And I've seen Pete Wentz be a very smart, smart business guy early on when we knew nothing about business yeah. at all. Like when we knew nothing, like he was kind of cutting edge with stuff, almost to a point where you'd be like, whoa, whoa. like it may, may make you feel uncomfortable. But then you realize how
1: kind of you know, brilliant it was.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just-
1: yeah. It almost was like, like, uh, it almost seemed, I don't want to say shady, But it was just that he was so far ahead in terms of business mind at that point than anyone else. Yeah. Like, I I just remember, like, we toured with Fall Boy early, and I know you guys did back in the day, too. Did all kinds of stuff with Fall Boy growing up in the same scene. But they really were always next level, and it was all Pete. And the band was content with that. But back to you and, and, you know, you saying, oh, maybe I was a bit of a tyrant, was being the tyrant of the band, and and now I'm really just... (laughs) putting words in your mouth but but <laughs> having that whether it was how far you were you know on that level was that something that you hated so much or dreaded so much that dynamic in the band that that was part of why you just decided I'm going to write these songs I'm going to sing them myself record them myself because then you didn't have to worry about someone being like well mark's an asshole cuz right. he said play this note and I you know, <laughs> you know and I want to play this note and you know or whatever
2: yeah you know I'm going to say no because I think that um maybe like a better word than tyrant would be like more like a, a phrase like mom and dad because maybe it's more like yeah. trying to keep everything you know, keep everyone happy, keep things together, you know, get through the harder stuff with like, this is how we can handle this, you know, go through the best times being like proud and excited for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of think that maybe is more the role. So when it comes to like the studio and stuff, I think that I was learning and growing too, because going from a band that started as sophomores in high school and doing four track recordings and everything like that to eventually getting into a studio with like a real studio for the first time I think it, it was a shock to everybody like what that looked like and felt like to try to be more of a professional musician so from record to record I think they raised their bar as well yeah and I yeah. think that that you know we made our favorite records together you know what I mean like as we went along, even though, like from a fan standpoint, it might be like, "Oh, we like the first one best" or whatever. That just happens, I guess.
1: But that always just happens. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. I mean, my favorite "Saves the Day" record, and I play one of the songs on this tour. Is their first record? Can't slow down. Mm-hmm. People have someone called me an idiot once. <laughs> that's your favorite record? You're an idiot. It's like, well, sorry, it's my, my it's my opinion. You know, yeah, like it's how I feel. I'm not. Yeah. maybe I'm. Maybe the other records are superior, but. To me, just that's the one I heard first. That's yeah. the record to me. It was like, it was like lifetime, but better. You know, like that record, I it changed the way I thought about punk rock. Yeah, and um, it will always be my favorite. Do I think it's the best in terms of the recording or the songs or the uh, you know the performances? Maybe not, right? But it's my favorite, and that you know that's a whole other discussion. But it I is, mean, but, but I, mean, I would
2: almost like say like in that in that mindset, you're what you're really getting at is that there's a certain level of. I don't know. Uh, authenticity and and where, it's like when 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 it hit you, it mattered so much and now it can still hold up with you. And like that's important yeah. because there are some records that I think hit me and changed me that in retrospect, maybe don't hold up as well. And then there's some that I like more that yeah. maybe I'm, I kind of missed the boat on. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh man, that was a lot cooler than I
1: realized. Yeah. Well, when bands go away and they come back, well, first of all, that's a great career move. Any bands listening. Uh, <laughs> break up and come back. Right, that's we the, haven't come. Uh, has not come back yet. That we took too long. <laughs> there's a well. There's a que- that's a question I'm going to get to in a second. But, okay. but you know I do think though that the quality of music and that longevity does make a difference when a band comes back. And and last night we played in Philadelphia and the uh, that band Valencia. They mm-hmm. just did a reunion show where they had twenty six hundred people. That's right. Which they would have never done when they were together. Like <laughs> right. They were I mean, maybe worth. They were maybe worth like five or eight hundred. I'd say. Philly. Like. I, I could be wrong. Maybe they were bigger. But you know what I mean. It's just amazing that that's, this band comes back, and that probably speaks to one nostalgia, two the fact that their music's probably held up. Right. You know. Right. Th- in terms of what people took away from it and what it means to them now. Yeah.
2: And And that's a big thing. And, you know, because music is absolutely everywhere and it's, you know, I mean, it's with everything being free on Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, there's like a flood of music right now. That's probably the best problem ever because music's awesome and we all love it. But it's also like man, like it's hard to cut through. You know what I mean? It's hard to like keep someone's attention, you know, if they're checking it out for the first time or, you know, new listeners are making, (laughs) making playlists instead of listening to albums. Like I get it and I'm not mad about it, but You know, to your point, somebody like Valencia, who those albums matter to those fans. You know what I mean? Those moments matter. They can cut through with something like, we're coming together to play in our hometown. And not only that, then it starts to snowball. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, because like 2,500 people or 2,600 people, that's a lot. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot by any measure. That's a lot for like a top 40 band. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot in general. So they
1: cut through with that. Yep. No, it's it's not. It, it like I was like, what? Who? What? Well, there's another Shane? I don't like this. I want to be the only right, Shane. Right, right. <laughs> but but, but um, uh, I mean, back to Spittlefield. You say you guys have not done it, have not done a reunion. You've done, have not done any reunion. No, no. Yeah, we, we
2: played some shows. We have not, you know, written any music or made any plans. Like that's that's kind of where it's at. Like. When twenty thirteen was getting ready to knock on the door, and we're looking at you know, especially the when ten
1: year uh, of remembering right now, right? Remember right. right now? Sorry, I know the title. No, it's, it's good.
2: The uh, that that was like almost my. I mean, I was really excited to like reconnect with those guys because it's not that we completely you know, went our separate ways and fell off and didn't ever talk because I, you know, I still lived pretty close to JD and like we would, you know, you know, we're in the same neighborhood. We'd see each other out and about, we'd have a beer, we'd chat and we never were not friends. You know what I mean? Like we always stayed friends, but then the other guys that were a little bit further out or then like TJ's, you know, you know, across the country in another you know, area altogether, I was just like if these guys are down, I will take care of this. Mom and dad's back. You know what I mean? Like I will make this happen in a way that everybody's comfortable because maybe the demand was there to do like a full US thing, which would have been awesome. But instead we narrowed it down to like what can people really do with their lives and their families and jobs and everything else. So we nailed it with like a two weeks in the Midwest and Northeast and a few fly-ins for the West coast and call it a day and like play a couple festivals and stuff. And it was fun. And what I will say, and then, I mean, maybe it's not even something that people really like want to hear, or maybe it's too much insight. I don't know. But like when we were on those dates together, we're, you know, back in the van hanging out. It was like, we never skipped a beat because we're, you know bringing up all the old inside jokes we're cracking up we're having fun you know at at the shows we're drinking beers together hugging having a good time on stage we're like we're grinning ear to ear but at no point during that trip did we ever be like you know we should probably just give this another shot right we never talked about it it never came up not even like in just after a few shots in your head did you were you thinking about it not really it was almost like this is exactly what it Needs to be right now, which is yeah. like, we're out here to have fun, to reconnect with a lot of people we haven't seen in a long time, to play shows like, you know, that we, you know, again, I've been playing music, but some of those guys had been, you know, maybe playing in bands or playing out locally a little bit, but to be back in the van and back out out there, you know, again, yeah. I've been doing it for a little bit, yeah. but they haven't, you
1: know? Well, it, it might be better that that's what you did because so many bands... Have done the reunion, have had these great big shows, have obviously just enjoyed it so much. Become bands again, we're back, baby. <laughs> and then you watch as each show, each tour, few less people come, few less people care, right? And and then by the end, it's like you're back to where you were, but worse because you're, Do you know what I mean. Because you you're ride that in, high, and then the high fades away. Because you know? you're getting, you're trying to
2: get back into new music, and once you're into new music, then you have to start. Reinventing, right? Reimagining. And you can't rely on the nostalgia. You can't rely on people that were excited to watch your reunion show and, like, you know, or an anniversary show and have beers and let loose. You can't rely on them to be there for when you release your new EP.
1: And also, creatively and personality wise, that's when you start having to, you know, confront each other's personalities and each other's. Uh, oh, totally. you know, do you know what I mean That's when it's like Well we're, we're working on a song now Like I don't agree with you Right That's and, where the conflict arises And why you know? wouldn't
2: you pick back up With the same issues you had When you put it down I yeah. mean like that You know Maybe people it's have changed I mean there might sure. be some I,
1: things I, I'm sure there are And I'm and there are bands That break up for a reason Like yeah. there was an incident Sure. You know what I mean right. And then over time Sometimes people do get over that Right You know what I mean And, and um, every situation is different Right But you know, I mean, I'm a little surprised I don't see Spitalfield popping up around Christmas time or around like summertime and, oh, you know, Riot Fest. Right. You know, and, right. and kind of, you know, you guys could, could kind of chase the money, you know, for sure. lack of a, a better term. I mean, obviously, it's not just about money, but there is probably significant offers out there. I don't know, have you gotten yeah, there, like well, there, offers there's been, to play certain things? There's. And, just well, couldn't figure it out, getting everybody from across around the country Right, to and together. I think it's
2: also being a little bit, maybe a little bit selective on it, just because, I mean, yeah, the opportunities, like, there's been some good ones, and we've taken a couple of cool ones, but I think that, um, at least, okay, I, let me backtrack. I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for sure. me and say that. I never want to rule out us getting on stage and playing music because it's fun and i care about those guys and those songs matter to me because they were a big part of me you know so like i'm never gonna rule that out and especially if it's the right opportunity or the right time and there's a demand then then hell yeah that's fun um but i also think that because we're not really looking to like make new music together and stuff that we're not really looking for that angle that to be like yeah we're gonna just like make this happen now. You know what I mean? We're going to milk it and then make it happen. It's like, I don't think anybody wants it. Like, we don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to become kind of like a a band that's always playing because then it's like, I don't know, loses something. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. at least for us, it Definitely. would lose something. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. And you know what? Like, on a related note, I, um... I've been thinking a lot about like, man, I haven't like written a rock record in a long time and I want to. And, and people are kind of like, you know, Oh, like great. Like, you know, get the band back together. Just do another record. You know, your fans will love it or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if they would number one. And number two, I don't know if I want to like make that a Spitalfield record. Like maybe I should like, you know, do a rock record with some other folks and like try something different. You know what I mean? Like,
1: well, that'd be fun to be honest. And I can't believe you just said that. Cause it was like, you read my mind. I just said to you, you know, can't Mark, I was about to say to you, can't Mark Rose exist as Mark Rose and also Mark Rose in another band? Right. Like, what's stopping you from, like, like you know, I was going to ask you about Enter Sandman because you're doing Enter Sandman cover. <laughs> yeah. The first guitar riff you ever learned to play. And it was one of the first guitar riffs I ever learned to play, too. I think it's a common thing. And, uh, you know, obviously, maybe you just fuck, like, maybe you miss cranking up a 412 and chugging and playing a I do some heavier music with somebody you could do that yeah you could exist in a lot of different musical realms if you wanted to yeah make a rock record whatever so yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying to you like your solo thing is because it's all you you're allowed to do as much as you want right. or as little as you want right and you 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 can never break up your solo project can you that's the thing i keep telling <laughs>
2: people that i'm like i can't break up with myself so i yeah you know. no no i mean you're 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 very right and i would say that i've maybe had some like hang ups and some issues about like you know i don't know like starting another band or like getting guys together as like a collective of some kind. And, and I've been like kind of fighting with that in my brain for a while now, because I guess I have a hard time not going all in on something. And maybe I should be better about that because if I could allow myself to like have a couple different projects that are like a little bit more low key, a little bit less full commitment, you never know what might catch for what reason. And then your life changes a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm afraid of that. Like I'm afraid of like, what it would be like to actually have a band again and to be accountable for, you know, taking care of, well, taking care of business. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I, I'm afraid of that stuff because well, right now I have kind of an easy path of, like, you're in control, you know, yeah. at least of your your time away and the amount of rehearsing you do and the amount of writing you do and when you feel inspired and not answering to anybody.
1: We have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Loot Crate, but we will be right
0: Play it now with Game Pass.
1: So as you probably know by now, I am a total geek when it comes to pop culture. Quoting movies, retro video games. I was just driving around my neighborhood playing Pokemon Go, trying to catch Bulbasaurs and Charmanders because they're hot right now. I got Mario Run. I'm all premium on there. So yeah, I am, I am deep. I couldn't get a Nintendo Classic. That, was a, that bummed me out. Really wanted one of those for Christmas. I will get one though. But I've been working with this awesome company called Loot Crate. And they are amazing. They're sending me boxes every month. So if you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate brings you between four and six of the coolest curated mystery items every single month straight to your doorstep. It's the best surprise you know is coming. Our next crate's theme is Origins. We have awesome and exclusive items from your old school favorites. This January, see where it all started and explore the iconic Origins with historic items featuring Superman, Captain America, Mario, I love Mario, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, including, as always, our monthly t-shirt and pin. They've been really cool with the packages lately. I posted a few of the boxes up. On Instagram, so check out just to get a feel for the kinds of things they put in the boxes. If you're not, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Anyways, here's how it works. So you have until the nineteenth, January nineteenth, at nine p.m. Pacific to subscribe, and you get this month's crate. But when the cutoff happens, it's over. That's it. So make sure you're all in there before the nineteenth at nine p.m. Pacific. So make sure you head over to lootcrate.com/slash lead singer. Enter the promo code LeadSinger and you'll save three dollars off any new subscription. And they have a whole bunch of other things too. If you're more into specific stuff like the anime they have, it's all really, really rad. So again, the link is lootcrate.com slash lead singer and enter the promo code lead singer. We have to talk a little bit about Victory Records as well. Um, as some of the listeners know, both Silverstein and Spillfield were on Victory Records and we got signed at just about the exact same time. Yep, um, we were on the sampler CDs together. You know, um, Billy was rocking a bull shirt. That's one of the first things I remember. He was rocking a bull shirt because we, before we even met, you guys, I was like, "Oh, dude, he's rocking a bull shirt. We're going to get along just fine." <laughs> and we did. Um, how? How was? I mean, I don't know how candidly you want to speak um, about your time with Piddlefield on Victory. Being a local band, because Victory is a Chicago label. You guys being from Chicago, yeah. Um, how that all shook out. I mean, and how much of that contributed to the demise of the band? Yeah.
2: Um, well, I'll, I'll start by saying that um, when we were like, you know, like finishing up high school and getting ready to go, uh, you know, to college and you know, start finding some jobs and stuff. You know, we we started to realize how badly we wanted to be doing the band full time. And at that point we had been like, you know, playing out regionally and rehearsing a lot and writing a lot, but we, you know, had done done this local deal with this label sinister label out of Chicago that helped us put out this EP and, you know, a full length before that. But, but the thing about sinister Label is they weren't. Yeah. Mike Bakta and and, and and Craig, Craig and Yeah. yeah, Bakta's around, man. He's kicking it. Um, but we, what was great about sinister label is that they were actively like, pushing us to springboard and to go do something bigger. Yeah. And we, we straight up, you know, had a, f- a friend take promo photos of us that we, you know, printed ourselves at whatever, you know, print shop, um, <laughs> wrote a bio poorly for about ourselves, included <laughs> the EP, um, a list of accomplishments. You know what I mean? Like these are things that are, have happened for us. And like, you know, I mean, looking back, it's funny stuff, but like at the time it was so important to us. Yeah. And, and we straight up in, you know, uh, you know, manila envelopes mailed out snail mail, like, like 14 packages now to like labels that we were like, these are labels that have bands we like. And these are labels that maybe would, would listen. I don't know. And like, I don't know, a bunch of them got back to us shockingly, which was crazy. Yeah. And then victory was one of them. And I remember I was sitting in a uh, class at Columbia in Chicago cause I was going to, uh, Columbia for music composition. And I was in one of my classes and my super old school flip phone phone ran, rang with a 312 number that's not in my phone. And I didn't answer. And we had break. It was like a three hour class once a week kind of class. Yeah, yeah. And we had a break and I went out and listened to the voicemail. And it was, it was Tony, you know, straight up yeah. calling my the phone.
1: victory, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and I didn't go back into class. I couldn't. I was like, this is everything right now. Like, you know, just as far as, like, I couldn't...
1: You don't still have that voicemail, do you?
2: (laughs) No, I should have recorded it. Um, Did you call him back right away? No, I I wanted to talk to JD first. I wanted to call Dan. I wanted to call TJ. You know what I mean? I was like... What did he say? Well, everybody was like, whoa, like what? Like, like wants to talk to us, wants to meet us. And like, we didn't even realize after we did call back, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew they were in Chicago. Of course, that was very evident. We, you know, grew up you know, in Chicago, but we didn't realize how close to victory we were living. It was like JD and I had an apartment together. That was like walkable and like, (laughs) but we'll we'll come by tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Right. So our, the thing is that we, we narrowed it down to a few labels. Um, and, and you know, they want to send some people out to see us. We played this show at Metro that we were, you know, it was it was Movie Life headlining with brand new supporting them, and then Spitalfield was like the Chicago band opening up the show. Crazy! And we brought like a good two three hundred people because we were starting to get a little thing going. Yeah. And the show was like well attended. It was fun, and we were up there just like you know playing as hard as we've ever played, freaking out because there's all these people watching that like are watching us in a different way. Yeah. And and yeah, when we ended up signing with Victory, I would say that like we had never been more you know excited driven i don't know like feeling like this is our chance you know what i mean like we have to take this we have to put everything else on hold we have to do this like all in right now yeah. so we did you know what i mean like we like you know 6 months in we're like not renewing our lease we're moving home so that we can have you know uh, we can have the van and trailer parked somewhere safely where we don't have to pay rent anymore and like I'm moving back <laughs> in to hit the road. You know what I mean? Right, it's like right. it's not like, oh, you got signed and now you've got your own place. It's like, no, it's the other way around. Yeah. I'm going backwards to go forward. It's funny. So pumped, right? But anyway, your your question initially, rather than going on a full timeline, your question about victory, I, I would say that like it, it's it's one of the most common things I get asked, but also one of the hardest things to talk about because i don't like to think of like you know bands the same way people think of like like products where it's like well, this band this 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 product was better than this product and it should have sold more at these locations. you know what I mean like or this thing should have been that it's tough because it's so case by case, and then you've got so much you've got so much life happening with each individual member, and then if you have a, a manager or an agent and then you have the label and there's so many different egos in in line yeah. and there's different. Uh, there's different levels of business savvy. There's different levels of like knowledge, you know, about how to get stuff done, how to get it done right. And I think that like they gave us an incredible opportunity, considering, you know, again, there weren't that many Chicago bands on the label yet. There were about to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, there were a about whole bunch. To be. There were about to be a whole bunch, but like there weren't yet. And you know, it was like. They don't. They're, they've been more known for like the heavier stuff, you know, all the way back from like, of course, when I was yeah. younger, was, you know, Strife and Earth sure. Crisis and stuff. But then into like Hatebreed, kind of like crossing over into the bigger level, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then and then Thursday and Taking Back Sunday and all this. So we're kinda well. It like-
1: was kind of like the way I viewed their what they were trying to do with you guys was they had a radio department, right? Remember uh, Tim. Yep. Uh, and a couple other guys, like they had like three people in a radio department, which is ridiculous for an independent label, right? Because they had two guys, I think, working commercial radio, yeah, and they basically weren't getting any commercial radio, right? They weren't getting any, right? But they had they, it was something I think that Tony really wanted, yeah. Um, and I think the whole point of him signing your band is he wanted you to be the Jimmy Eat World, right? Of, uh independent music and he wanted to have that. Yeah. And I think that was a big, a big thing. And I think that's where he saw you guys fitting in. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys saw yourselves fitting in that way at all.
2: Um, I I think that we, we were straddling that because you know uh, that, you know, the band you're talking about, Jimmy worlds, you know, one of my favorite bands and like, you know, I mean, I could no doubt if people like heard some influence or thought like, Oh man, they're kind of like slightly more pop emo rock version or like, pop punk emo rock version of like that. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. I totally see that. And yeah, that's a good point that they, they were definitely trying to expand, you know, into other realms. That We could be someone that could kind of be in both worlds and maybe even break through if given the right opportunity. But that, that word I just said, opportunity was probably one of the, one of the most crazy parts of everything that went with victory because there were a lot of opportunities for us. Like we did, get some really great tours, like some cool support tours, some good, um, you know, I don't know. We, we, we had a pretty decent amount of momentum, I should say, because yeah. it was kind of organic cause it didn't explode right away. It took some time and like, remember right now crawled to 10,000 copies, but then shotgunned up to 50 and then, you know what I yeah. mean? It was like, Whoa, like things were starting to happen. Right. Yeah. So all that stuff is great behind the scenes. And I'm sure you could speak to some of it too. Man, there was some drama going on with like the way the business is being run, right? And of and course. and part of that is not under us not understanding what we were in for, not really having maybe the right kind of understanding and legal counsel to truly know what's going on and to maybe be taken advantage of. But then also I'm never really that mad about things we signed that we didn't understand. I'm mad about things that are like not honored that are signed. Like that's a problem for me. Right. And that was hard for me especially when I'm like playing mom and dad in the band and trying to keep everybody happy and no one can understand including me what's going on so i'm trying to like be the voice of reason and try to be the connector and try to be the like you know diffuse this situation is there
1: a specific thing that was not honored that you can remember i
2: mean it, it just always seemed like things weren't things weren't adding up when it came down to like how we were going to pay our bills at the end of the day. Like, let me yeah. just say it that way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, cause it's one thing to be on the road and to like, you know, have your merchandise and have your tour guarantees or whatever. And Lord knows when you're a first to four for a hundred bucks, but you've got a van and trailer and a six man team. And you know, I mean, you are losing money every night, yes. even if you're like gaining fans and popularity. Right. So obviously you got to eat dirt. Like I just wanted the dirt to like, start to taste better when things were getting better mm-hmm. and that dirt didn't really taste better because you could home and <laughs> realize like, man, like something's not right here. Like sure. something's not right. And then not really getting the straight, straight answers and, and getting, I don't know. I always felt like, and, and maybe this is like, I, I, I don't, you know, I'd hate to like say something I regret saying, but like, I, I would think that like when it came to business, somehow it got very personal. Right. But then when you come to back as a person to talk about real, people things, it'd get real business real quick.
1: And that is so interesting. That is, and I've I've had that thought in my head, but I've never been able to wrap my head around, you know what I mean? Like able to put that together. It's so true. Yeah, right? Yeah, that is so true. And I've never really been able to equate that.
2: Yeah, and I think that that might be a common theme for a lot of different artists that were at different points in their careers. But the main thing is that I always thought that the artists that were getting into the biggest public, like, you know, I don't know, quarrels or whatever, things going on, it's like we kind of stayed out of that. But part of that was because we maybe weren't at a level where that was something that would matter. You know what I mean? It was like... Sure. You know what I mean? It was like I noticed that, you know, a lot of the bigger issues and lawsuits and public things are happening with bands that are selling a lot of records and are on really, really big marquee type tours. And I'm Mm. like, well, we have some stuff going on too, but like, is that going to be how we get popular? Is that we're going to like use this? Like, no, I just couldn't bring myself to like want to fight.
1: I don't think it would work anyways.
2: No, and nor did I I actually wanted it to work, not not the con, not not the fighting part. I wanted it to work because I wanted to find a way to say like let 's get past the things we disagree on and let 's figure out how to take this next step together separately, whatever but that 's when you, we got into a spot where we felt very up against a wall where we 're like, okay, at the end of the day, we still love playing music, we want to play music, we want to be together, we want to write songs, we want to." continue on and see if we can like relight a fire and get this thing going to the next level. Because again, you mentioned it earlier with like radio and stuff like that. We were always right on the, like knocking on the door of like really cool things happening. Like, yeah. But those opportunities for whatever reason, some of which I think are, uh, avoidable and some of them are unavoidable. Those reasons kept us where we were. And, and when it came time to like deliver another record or get back into another album cycle and, Deal with what had just happened on the previous record, and talk about how are we going to eventually, I don't know, own homes or have families. It would like got to a point where we just couldn't collectively do it. And I, yeah. like, I like I said at the very beginning, I knew I wanted to make music still. I was going to keep writing songs, but as a band, as an entity, it was like this is what we have to do. We have to like essentially raise a white flag.
1: And like, so how was that, How did that decision come about? Was there was it you that kind of said to the other guys, "Look, I." Can't do this because I don't remember anyone really quitting the band. Like I didn't. It, right, there was I don't a couple, remember. Yeah, maybe louder. Maybe quit. Right. But like, uh, it didn't seem like you know. Oh, it's like people start dropping like flies, and then the next thing you know, it's only Mark left, and then it's you know what I mean. Right, it, it didn't Spino happen Field, like 2. that. Two point oh with a whole new band, right? Yeah, right. like Mark and the Scabs. It wasn't like that, right? Like no, you, it had, wasn't. You, you had. You had. I think pretty much everybody didn't you?
2: No, what well, we did, we had we had two lineup changes over the course of you know, I don't know. A lot of time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and the most recent lineup change, which was louder, came right as we released what was our final record. So it wasn't as if it was like now we're doing a record without him. It's like no, nah, he was on all of the records, you know. Yeah. So um, i i don't I don't remember being the one to necessarily spearhead it, but I remember feeling like the pot was boiling over with like all the emotions and all the issues that we were dealing with, and it was like um, we did have some new stronger legal counsel at that time that was trying to make some things work and make some things happen for, yeah. like, a way to kind of solve the problems that we have, which maybe wouldn't be, like...
1: Well, is that that's either get money you're owed so you can continue as a band or get out. Is and, that kind of the... Well,
2: even getting out would have been maybe something that had a, a, you know, kind of an upside for everybody if we could put the right terms in place because, again, yeah. there was still, like, some some legitimate interest from, you know, different, you know, agencies and some other, uh, outlets and, and maybe labels, if you will, that were kind of like, well, we still love the band and what you guys are doing. And we would be down to make something happen here. Like whether it's a transitional thing or yeah. a, a buyout or a, uh-huh. or a agree to disagree, like whatever, I mean, it would have been something. And, and all those options just weren't happening. And we just got to a point where we just couldn't. Put it together to deliver an album just to get out of something like we couldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't say let's just put everything we got after all this emotion too. We'd been a band at that point for nine years, almost ten years. It's like yeah. we couldn't just rally to do something we don't care about. You know what I mean? And we certainly didn't have the strength, I guess, anymore <laughs> to like just get out there and work it for a couple of years and see what happens. Like we, that was sure. it. You know? No, I,
1: I get that. Uh, did when you? I dissolved Spittlefield and then you started up your own thing. Did you mm-hmm. still owe victory mm-hmm. music? Did you put stuff out you didn't put any on victory
0: though. No,
2: I mean I, I I followed what I was supposed to do, you know, as like a songwriter that was signed to the label. Like, you know, I mean they weren't too interested in what I was doing in that way. So okay. that was cool. <laughs> I mean, it actually I was almost like if they if they want this, that's actually totally fine because that might be a nice platform for me to then step off of to what I do next. Yeah. Just as a way to like get a little, you know, I don't know, like a shoot out of a cannon a little bit, but like, I mean, I didn't really hear much and it didn't really matter.
1: It was kind of like probably for the best. Intentionally make some just like total dog shit demos. (laughs) Like Mark can't sing at all anymore. What happened? He's like way out of key. And this is kind of like Michael McDonald. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, was that was that a racist song? We can't <laughs> sign this. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, uh, I mean, like, like no, but but seriously, like, uh, uh, that is a that is an interesting thing. I wonder if a band's ever done that to totally thrown thrown a, a no, demo. I, b- I believe so. It must have happened. It
2: has to have happened. If not, if not, just for fun, um, right. just to see what happens. Um, yeah, I don't. The thing is that, like, for as much like. Again, I keep saying the word drama, and maybe I need to come up with, you know, getting the thesaurus, come up with some better words. But, like, uh, even with all that stuff and with all the, like, miscommunications, miscues, missed, missed opportunities, like, really troubling stuff, um, even with all that, when people are like, oh, man, like, you know, I've heard this or that about the label, I'm like, I'm like everything that you've heard, good, bad, ugly... It's probably all true because that's every record label. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to talk about, like, you know big, like, like, like Atlantic records or capital, look at the bands on those labels that like should have been bigger, but weren't, or the bands that like got signed, but broke up or the ones that like got really huge. And you're like, wait a minute, this band got big. And then it's, you know what I mean? That happens everywhere, yeah. not just on, on this particular thing. So it's like, I never felt like we were owed. I mean, okay. We were owed something maybe <laughs> more like on paper, but like we, I, I guess, let me, let me, let me just say this, this, this might be my best summary I can come up with. I never think of it as what should have been. I think about like what maybe could have been. Yeah. Right? Because I don't know.
1: There's Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like is, is there that... any one thing you attributed you can attribute to? Now looking back like the, you know, cuz there's obviously certain regrets. I mean, I have regrets and I'm still, you know, doing the same thing, but I still have regrets. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean, if I if I could really attribute it to one thing, I guess it would be not having a uh, a a team that embraced each other as much and that worked together because management
1: agent and label combo because,
2: because maybe we could have found some better fits collectively that would have, um, been more effective and, and they had less problems and less drama about things that don't matter at all that somehow come back to us. You know what I mean? Like common agents, common management people, you know, issues happening that just seem so far removed from the, from the band and like from us as people yet somehow are so directly impacting like decisions that are being made like that. I, that would be my, my biggest thing would be like maybe get more of a, 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 a more of a backbone about like saying this is working. This isn't. And like getting that dialogue way more out front because maybe we let it build up
1: a little too much. I totally get it. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about victory which is great um, I well, have so many do uh, you got any I funny you got any th- anecdotes at the moment you can share
2: <laughs> there's always funny anecdotes uh, I um, I guess like well I'm trying to think of like something that really is relevant and funny versus something that's just old and funny because there's a lot of old stories but but real quick I was going to say though again, on that topic we were just talking about, I feel probably a little more comfortable now talking about it, like, not only this far removed from it all, yep. but talking to someone like you about it because it's like, I totally, you know, I don't know, like, I, I understand that we have a lot of things in common and then a lot of things that, you know, like, that we've been through collectively that, again, every band is different, every situation is different, yep. but it's like, I feel like I'm, you know, able to oh, I can relax relate. a little bit more because it's sure. like, I'm on I'm always on guard talking to, like, you know, whether it's a, a, a supporter or a fan or somebody that is in the industry that like, you know, I just don't I don't know. It's like I, I feel I feel guarded a bit. Just kinda yeah. like don't really feel like airing any of that kind of stuff, you know. I've always been kinda cautious about
1: that. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um You were mentioning about oh not being sure about starting another band because oh, yeah. of kinda your you know, your sort of what you have going on in your life and your your routine, I guess. And a big thing you have going on right now is downright, yes, which is well, why don't you explain exactly what it is for people that don't know
2: yeah, downright is it's cool. A, it's very yeah, cool i'm I'm very excited downright is a it's a platform uh created for songwriters and and artists to be able to uh connect with folks um You know, during their downtime, which is kind of why we call it downright, but like between tours or between albums or whatever, um, as a way to use their stories and their inspirations and ideas to create new original music. And it's, you know, at this point it's, it's kind of like, you know, non-commercial stuff. And, you know, if you want to like make it really easy to understand, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like get a custom song written, you know, like that's, that's one way to put it. But what we're really building towards and, and taking strides towards is, is that it's not just like, Hey, I'll write you a song. It's not like, you know, build a bear. It's not just like, put this, this, and this together. You know, it's more like really connecting with people who are often pouring out their hearts because they're connecting with an artist that they, you know, in some way or another feel very connected to, you know? Um, so we have all different types of songwriters from different, you know, eras and different genres, even though it's kind of primarily focused right now in the world that we came out of because yeah. I started the site with my, my buddy Bob Nana. And for those who don't recognize the name on its own, Bob singer of Braid and Hey Mercedes and you know a bunch of other projects currently and and like, you know, we're like really I don't know. Like we we obviously come from a certain place, so we started with our friends. We started sure. with people we tour with. We yeah. started with stuff like that as we started to develop the concept and idea and we launched the site around Valentine's Day in 2013 with just profiles for Bob and I and now we're up to like over 250 artists and there's been, you know, I don't know, close to 2000 original songs created through the platform that are, you know, I don't know. It's like it's powerful stuff. It's powerful because it's it's enabling artists it's inspiring artists it's helping compensate artists and then on the flip side it's such a unique opportunity for a fan or a supporter to be able to have a song or a vo- you know a voice that they love or whatever mentioning their lives you know right. their names places dates stories dogs goldfish whatever you know what i mean it's like sure. and some of it can be like uh, a bit um more Instant gratification, easy like, oh it's Valentine's Day, I want a love song. Okay, cool. Yep. You know, but something could be deeper than that. And we've gotten a lot of examples of some really What's the cool. weirdest one?
1: Do you, do you listen to all the songs? <laughs> we that, have the opportunity
2: to listen to them all. Now that there's so many happening, we don't listen it's to hard, all of it's them. Hard to, yeah. And we're also like, you know, we're certainly not thinking that this is a curated service. It's not. It's not like Downright is not a songwriting service. Downright is a platform where you connect with songwriters who can make art you know what i mean so it's like we're not really looking to like um i don't know uh we're not we're not looking to censor anything or to like say somebody is or is not of a certain caliber you know what i mean because it's like right. it is what it is it's and art exactly it's someone's art
1: exactly um and but yes, yeah so, but are, but are were there any like ones that, oh, there's that so off many the top of your you're just like what is this even
2: yeah it's so good like like Okay, for starters, let me say this. We have access to this uh, you know, database where all these songs do currently exist because from a customer service standpoint, you know, we do have access to this stuff. Um, I was looking through, and I was helping deal with an order that you know, they deleted their, their email where they received the song. They're asking. You know, so I go back in. I have to find it and like send it to them. And I notice that there's a song in the song bank, the master song bank, called Smack My Butt. <laughs> and I, ha- I texted Bob and I was like, did you know there's a song in the downright master like master song bank called Smack My Butt? And he's like, uh, no. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to look up and see what artist this is, but that's brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost better that I don't know, but it's so funny. It's you have like, not listen to it? I haven't listened to it yet. I'm saving it for a special day, but no, but no, There are people getting such uh, using the site in such unique ways.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sure like an inside joke between friends or something oh, totally. too. You know, or, or I totally get it, and that is that's a special thing. And you see, you launched that in, in 2013. Is that is that consuming a lot of your time? Like, is that kind of what you're doing when you're not um, performing music and not on tour? It is.
2: It is what I'm doing, and I'm doing it both as a writer on the site because I'm able to get like. A decently steady amount of of requests where, you know, on a month-to-month basis, you know, of course, we see spikes during the holidays, but we're not trying to be focused on the gift-giving community specifically, but that obviously is a big time for people to, like, want to get something special for somebody. Um, But yeah, so I'm working on it, um, you know, as a songwriter, which is great, because it's like, you know, it's some extra income, it's some cool inspiration. I've actually taken a few songs I've written and redone them, and like, you know, Two of them are on my new record that came out in en Vogue last year. Like I re-recorded it with a full band, full production. It was cool. Um, cool, but but yeah. But then but then behind the scenes, yeah, it's getting you know more and more real. Kind of. It's like uh, and it's something that even though there's a lot of day to day kind of grunt work stuff, when it is something that you help build, you're more okay with that. You know what I sure. mean? Sure, of course. And of course. and yeah, we're really hoping to like take a really big step this coming year with really raising the awareness because everything we've been doing has been pretty grassroots, pretty word of mouth artists signing up, testing the waters, seeing what's happening. And, and, and now, now that more people know about it, it's like this calendar year was our best yet. And like people are starting to take notice. We're starting to get some interest from, you know, other types of companies that might be interested in, you know, working together on different things. And we're kind of like, this is what we want, but it's a little scary because you know, it's, it's evolving. It's changing. Yeah. But then I remember that, like, you know, a company like Amazon, like, used to just sell books. You know what I mean? Or, like, you yeah, know, that's things like very that. very true. It I'm is like, funny to think about that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, like, we're uh, a custom song yeah. thing. But it's, like, but there's more to it. It's, like, yep. this is original content. It's, like, I don't know. I get really excited about, like, what kind of, like, gateway we could open into, like, the creation process of songs. And... And the stories that go with it. Like, I, I listen to a lot of like podcasts and things on NPR and whatnot. And I'm like, man, we have so many great stories here. Now we got to figure out a way to like share them without like, you know, exploiting people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, uh no, that's that awesome. Yeah.
1: So, it's, is it downright.com? That's W R I T E?
2: Yeah, downright.com. And, you know, um, it's also, like I mentioned, it's an open platform for Who artists. are some of the
1: most popular. Um, Artists you have there that are working on songs all the time.
2: Yeah, some of the artists that are like doing really great work consistently, like Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids, is like definitely like kind of our. (laughs) He's he's been our go to guy. He he was in the first batch of artists that we launched after Bob and I, and he's so like driven and good at it. Like he's really doing a great job connecting and explaining what it is, and he's he's been awesome. Um, Chris Cresswell from the Flatliners has been just. Cool. Amazing as well. Um, you he's know, a Toronto
1: boy. I know him well.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah,
1: totally. And he's, you know,
2: part of what I love. River Oaks
1: played, like, the first ever River Oaks show was right before Flatliners. There you go. So, like
2: yeah. and, and I will say that the artists that are, like, really doing a good job, it's like, we down the road, we want to help them, give them better tools to explain what this is and showcase it. But those who you can really tell are pretty passionate about the people they're writing the songs for that are very, like, they're prompt, they're responsive, they have follow-up questions, they're so into it. And when they're delivering it, you can tell the satisfaction that's there. It's not yeah. just... I mean, that's important, right? Of course. So, like, we just, before this holiday, we we launched Will from Cartel, and he's been really great. Cool. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of artists, you know? Like, it, it's it's cool. And they they span a lot of different, you know, eras, too. You got Josh from The Anniversary, you know? Oh, cool. Um, you know, folks that... Their, their fans, you know, have, have life occasions now. <laughs> you know, things are happening. Like, sure. getting songs for Baby's First Christmas or getting a song right. for like for your parents for their 30th, 35th wedding anniversary and like having it written by an artist that you love and it's like this great like everyone is so moved by it or having an artist cover like your song. Like if you and your significant other have a song that's really important to you guys to be like, well, this is our favorite song and now we're going to have one of our favorite artists do a version of it for us. Cool. Like how cool is
1: that, right? That's very cool. Yeah, I really like that. Well, people can check it out at downright.com again. And what is going on with um, Mark Rose solo stuff uh, for two thousand seventeen? What's the plan?
2: Yeah. Um, so my most recent record was released by Invoke. Um, it's called The Wild Type. That came out this past year, and you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still working that a little bit longer as far as like you know, performing and, and promoting, but. I've been doing a lot of writing, not just through Downright, but also for myself, and I'm kind of trying to figure out what kind of reinvention I want to do for this next record, and yeah. I look to be out there playing, you know, probably somewhat sporadically, but, you know, shorter support tours like the one we're on right now, you know, some colleges, some festivals, stuff like cool. that to, like, keep active, keep busy, Yep. Um, and then see what happens, because... I don't know. Like, I, I, I still think that like writing songs and performing songs is my favorite thing to do. So while Downright gets busier, I'm looking forward to just like being more and more surrounded by music in every every facet. You know. That's great.
1: And do you have a New Year's resolution? This mm. is going to be the first podcast of the year. That's right. No. <laughs> Perfect. Do you? I got to get in shape. Last okay. year, so last year on the podcast, the people listening, uh, I decided to well, I had two new year's resolutions one was i was going to not drink for the month of january yeah and i did it yeah so i didn't drink for 31 days uh it wasn't too bad yeah and then the other new year's resolution was to like try to get in shape and i was going to do p90x Ooh. it didn't happen mm. it was too hard i, I could i think i bit off more than i could chew so this year i'm going to keep drinking Absolutely Right As the Takate is representing Why deny yourself a little pleasure But I think uh, Yeah I think it's time I think it's time to uh, Get back to the, the You know yeah, just feel good about yourself. Hey, a lot of little things you know? go a
2: long way. You know what I yeah, mean? Right, like, right, right. Sure. like like changing like like a lot of different things by five to ten percent goes a long way. Absolutely. Because yeah. you like you said, P90s P90X, you're like, yeah, but it's like, whoa. <laughs> you no, know I've I mean? done that's- it
1: before. I, I well I haven't done the whole I haven't gotten through the whole ninety days. I think I got through like sixty days once. Yeah. Um but no, I'm not saying that's gonna be it, but I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna be more conscious about my health. You know, like you get older and yeah. it's it's you know, it's harder. Yeah. And I've had I've had a, 2016 was a brutal year for me, so yeah. I'm real excited for 2017.
2: Yeah, well, I'm too. And you know what? Like while you were even just talking about what you were just talking about, I was thinking maybe something that I'd like to really have you know on my mind and focus on in 2017 is within my songwriting to actually push myself to write for all sorts of things and to try to push what is songwriting to me above and beyond, like you know. The way I present it, you know, like write, try to write for work with other artists, like write for other artists or like, you know, like we talked about earlier, start more projects where, you know, I'm more, more diverse in my type of writing and what I'm thinking about. Just push myself a little bit, not to just always be in my own mind palace about like what I want to do, you know, like maybe that's something I can make happen,
1: you know? Absolutely, man. Well, it's really great to speak to you and uh, it's cool to like reconnect and do these shows after like all these years. Absolutely. I feel like we didn't skip a beat either. Just we're like, mm-hmm. hey, we're back. And, and it's, uh, it's been cool to have, it's been nice to have you as like a veteran guy, you know, that's done this for a while and me kind of being a new guy. So thanks for showing me the ropes oh. a little bit.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, th- thank you for having me on the, uh, the podcast and also inviting me out for these shows. Like, you know, I feel like we'll do it again
1: sometime. Absolutely, and Mark. Thanks. It'll be fun. All the best. Thank you. Happy New Year. Nah, same to you, buddy. So there's my chat with Mark. We did it in the backstage room in New York City at Webster Hall. And he's just a great dude, super talented, super smart. If anyone's interested in getting a song written for them or for a loved one or whoever by one of their favorite artists, definitely check out Downright, downright downright.com. Mark had an amazing idea there. It's really cool that that's so successful. And of course, check out his solo stuff as well. But I'm going to leave you with a classic. Here's the first single Spittlefield ever put out. It's called I Love the Way She Said L.A. on Lead Singer Sydney. Peace and love.